Welcome to the Marian Message presented by the Mosaic of Marian podcast. Each week we'll hear God's Word explored by Dr. Henry M. Meadows Jr. as he preaches from the pulpit of Marian Baptist Church in Chatham, Virginia. We pray that this message will be a blessing and further your walk with God. Let's join him now. Hey everybody, have you ever been going through a valley that just seems so deep you don't know which way is which? What we see in Psalm 13, David goes through the exact same thing. And so we can learn from David here about how to handle these crises, how to go about our life. So check out my sermon, David's Plea. And thank you for listening. So while you're turning to Psalm 13, uh, I, I, I was blessed with um, some great grandparents in my life. And um, both, both sets, my dad's parents and my mom's parents, great grandparents. But I'm, I'm actually going to focus on one set, and that's my mom's. Uh, parents on so about the Lewises. Um, my grandpa has a superpower that I did not know of at growing up until I really stopped and thought about it, and it is the superpower of selective hearing. Um, my grandmother is a very loud person. If you want to know where I get my loudness from, it's not actually from my dad. He's actually at the house very quiet compared to me. Everyone in the house is quiet compared to me. A lot of people are quiet compared to me. But um, my grandmother Liz is very loud. She is where I get my loudness from and my ability to talk um, from. And so um, I can remember growing up as a kid, dad would drop us off when mom was, was away and he would drop us off at my grandparent, grandma and grandpa at Lewis's. So we would, um, he would have to go visit somebody in the hospital or go preach somewhere. He didn't want to take us. So he would go and he would leave us with them. And they would, grandma would ask the question every night, what do you want for dinner? And we would answer. And um, then she would go, well, Ronnie, what do you want? And nothing. And then she would get louder. Ronnie, what do you want? And she would get louder. Ronnie, what do you want? To where she is screaming at the top of her lungs and there is no answer. He is steadily watching TV. And so she walks in, gets right in front of his face and goes, Ronnie, what do you want to eat for dinner? And then he looks at her very calmly and goes, what, Liz, what? Still ignoring the whole question. And it's, it's just fantastic how, how he can just selectively hear because I have not learned that ability yet. But it's great because she yells and yells and he just ignores her and ignores her. But there's, a t- there's times in our lives when we pray to God. There's times in our lives when we go to God and we feel like he's ignoring us. We feel like he's hiding from us. We feel like our prayers are just hitting the ceiling and coming down. And in that time, we don't know what to do. And so right, right here in Psalm 13, we see David is facing that same trial. He's facing that same valley. He's praying to God and God's not answering. He's in a valley. He's depressed and he has nowhere to go and God's just not answering. And finally, he's had enough to where he is pleading to God here. And so if you stand at the reading of God's word, we are uh, Psalm 13. I'm going to read the whole chapter, all six verses. It reads, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountiful with me. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for letting us uh, gather here um, and worship you freely, Lord. Be with us as we go to Fuge um, in the morning, Lord. Um, be with the drivers. Keep them safe. Um, fill us up as we go to Fuge. Fill us up here today, Lord. And in my pray, amen. You may be seated. So the first point is David's plea. So the first thing out of the gate, David begins to plea with God. And so the first thing we see 
If you notice, he repeats one phrase four times, and that is how long? How long? He is pleading with God to answer him. He's saying, how long? How long, God? He wants God to understand that it's been a while. So he repeats himself four times. I always knew when, I, when something was serious, when my dad would repeat himself multiple times to me. For example, uh, I know he used this illustration the other day, but when I would go into a store, and most of you know I have ADHD. I love to touch things. I am a very exciting person. Like I am always excited. I'm always happy. If you ask the youth, 6 a.m. when I get them up, I'm excited. When we go to bed at 11, uh, 12 a.m., I'm excited. I, this is my resting um, level. I'll say it like that. I'm always excited. So I like to touch things. I like, I'm very curious. That's where Liv gets it from, if you haven't noticed, when she sits right here and looks through and licks it. Um, but I'm just very curious. And so when we would go into these fancy places, fancy um, stores, and everything was, you know, very high dollar, my dad would always look at me and say, Drew, hands in your pockets. Don't touch anything. I don't care how, how it looks. Don't touch anything. And I'll say, okay. And then he would open the door. He would look at me again and say, Drew, do not touch anything. And then he would walk in. I would touch something. And he would go, Drew, do not touch anything. And he would repeat it because he would want me to understand how serious it was. David wants God to understand, God, how long? How long are you hiding your face from me? How long is forever is what he's asking. He is pleading with God. I can imagine him on his knees begging God, just answer me. We've been in those times. People, I mean, a lot of people have been in those days where you just feel God's not answering you and you are in the deepest valley of your life. And you have nowhere to turn. And you're like, I've prayed to God. I've done what he's asked and I still don't hear anything. But one thing we see is he's persistent. David's persistent with it. He's still doing it. He's still begging. And so he, he, is, he is genuinely hurting right here. He wants God to hear him. My sister, we were, um, she's not here. I used her a lot of illustrations this morning. I'm going to use her a lot of illustrations this, this afternoon, I mean, this morning too. Um, and so my sister, we were at the beach and they had one of those like elevators that you put food in. You close the door, you close the door, and you send it up so you don't have to carry them. My, we, me and my friend Josh were riding in it and. Um, we knew you had to close both doors. Uh, my sister rode in at one time by herself. We didn't tell her you had to close both doors. And so one of the doors came ajar as it was going up. So she got stuck in between the floors. Um, I got in trouble for it, just, just FYI. But, uh, but she's like screaming and screaming for, for dad to help her because that's the only person she knows that could help her. So she's screaming for dad. And no matter how, dad, how, how hard dad tried, he could not get to her because there were two doors and a flight of, uh, and a, like, and a wall in between her and him. But all she wanted was dad. But the only person that couldn't get there, well, not the only person, but the person who she wanted could not get there. There's times in your life, guys, where you don't know where to turn. You might be fighting in, in, in your relationships. You might be, you know, you might, your parents might be mad at you. Your, your family might be mad at you. You might have got fired. I don't know what's going on in your life, but you're going to be, there's going to be times in your life where you're in these valleys and you have nowhere to turn. So you do, what, as Jesus says, and turn to him. And it feels like he's not answering and you're sitting there and waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting and nothing's happening. That's what, that happen, that's what is happening in David's life. He has all this going on, going on in, in, his, in his world, and God's not answering him. So he's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to turn. And so the second thing we see is David's depression. He's depressed. I mean, just flat out, he is depressed. He has no idea where to turn. And so the first, he has three reasons he's depressed. The first one is God's not talking to him. God is silent. So he's depressed with his relationship with God. Notice that's the first thing, though. 
is his relationship with God. He has three, three reasons he's depressed, but he's focused on one. Because we see, because he opens up the, this chapter with talking to God about how long will he ignore him. He's not talking about the, his worldly issues. He's talking about his relationship with God. That shows you where his relationship with God was a priority in his life. It was first and foremost. He wasn't worried about his, his enemies prevailing over him. He wasn't worried about himself at this point. He was worried about his relationship with his creator. So often, guys, we let, we let these worldly things get, get in our heads and, and we forget about our relationship with God. We put our relationship with God on the back burner when that should be a priority. That should be number one priority whether you're on the mountaintop or in the valley. If you want your life to go better, then you should be worried about your relationship with God and let God take care of the rest. But so often we try to take care of the rest and put God on the back burner. That's not how it is. And David is showing us right here through his own valley that that's not how you get out of it. That's not how you get out of this valley is putting him on the back burner. Because he's really, in all reality, the only one that can help. And David understands this. And then we see the second reason is, is because... He's depressed with himself because God's not looking, helping him. He's having to try to figure out. He's self-diagnosing himself, trying to figure out what's going on in his life. And he's comparing himself to God. He's comparing himself to, to how he used to be when he was following God. And, he's, and he can't stand himself anymore. If you go to um, verse 2, it says, How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? He's taking counsel in himself, a.k.a. he's trying to fix his own problems that he knows he can't, he understands he can't fix them, which is leading him more into this depression state. So it's, it's hurting him more. But again, this goes back to he doesn't have that relationship with God. So as we see, it's a trickle-down effect. His relationship with God begins to suffer, which leads him to have not a good relationship with himself where he hates himself. And then lastly, we see it's with his enemies. If you go down to verse um, four, it says, um, verse three, sorry, and four, it says, Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death, which is death. He, he's afraid he's going to die. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. His enemies are, are, are marching on to him and God's not answering him. And, he, and so he, he understands, hey, look, my relationship with God is not where it needs to be. God's not talking to me, which means I'm going to lose the battle I have with whatever enemy he was facing at this time. He understood where his victories came from because he had his faith in God. You see, I mean, it's a trickle effect. Because his relationship with God is suffering, he hates himself and his enemies are marching against each other. I mean, marching against him. And we always see with Israel, when they follow God, they win all these victories. And then they begin to trust in either false gods or themselves, and they lose and they go into captivity. I mean, it, the Old Testament is just up and down, whether they're trusting with God or they're in captivity. And that's what's happening in David's life. He, 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 he's depressed because God's not talking to him. So his relationship with God's hurting. His relationship with himself is hurting. And his relationship with his enemies is hurting because his enemies are going to prevail against him if they catch him. You guys, a lot of times in your life when you're in, in this state where, where, where you're, everything is going wrong, it's because you have put God on that back burner. And it leads you down this road and it's a trickle effect. First, it's in this one area of your life. It, maybe it's just your relationship with God is struggling. And the next thing you know, hey, you're fighting with your spouse. Next thing you know, you're, you're struggling at your job. It's a trickle-down effect because you're, not, you're trusting in God. and we're, I mean, we're, you're not trusting in God. You're trusting in yourself. And because we trust in ourselves and we're sinful and we're not perfect, you're going to fail 100% of the time. If you put your trust in somebody else, some other human being, or yourself, you will fail. 
that person will fail you. I love my daughter and my son to death. There are going to be times in their lives where I fail them. So if they put their trust in me and not God, they're going to live a hard life because I'm going to fail them over and over and over and over again. It's not because I don't love them, because I do. But it's because I'm a human. Guys, we can't put our trust in other people and expect them to be there for us all the time. What happens in their life is, is we put our trust in Dr. Phil, in, in, the, person, uh, in, in the person, in our significant other, there we go, in our parents, in, in, in whoever, in our, in our workmates, in our classmates, in whoever it is. We put our trust in these people and they let us down and we get mad and we get angry and get, we get depressed and we wonder why they let us down. It's not because they wanted to, it's because they're humans. They let themselves down. God is perfect. He is our creator. Why can't we put our trust in Him? If you put your trust in Him, you will never fail. David's in this not because God left him, because God never forsakes him. He was in this because he started this himself. He put himself because he began to trust in himself. We see we can leave this all back to Bathsheba when, when, he, when he saw her and wanted her and then murdered her, uh, her husband. All this is because of that, because he began to trust himself, so he goes into this valley. But never once did David blame God. In this chapter, he never once blamed God. He just asked how long God was going to ignore him. Never once did he say, God, it's because of you I'm in this. It's because of you I'm in this situation. And that's what I get all the time when people are in this state. They're like, why would God let this happen to me? And re reality is just a, a consequences of our actions. We chose this. We chose to do this. You chose to trust yourself. You chose to trust your gut rather than going to God and going to Him. And so now you're in this situation and you're like, why did God put me here? You're blaming the wrong person. And because you blame the wrong person leads you to not trust in Him even more because you say, well, He put me in it. You know, my sister, okay, with my sister, here we go. Um, my sister, when we were really, really young, I was like, what, four? Or she was like two? Okay, he doesn't know where I'm going. Um, my sister would hit me. My sister would hit me when my parents were in the room and she would start crying. And so dad would come and spank me, a.k.a. I would get in trouble twice for doing nothing. And so finally one day, dad stayed back. He had just spanked me. He said, like, I'm going to stop. And I'm, uh, he, so he turned around, Lauren, Lauren, nor I could see him. And so he sat there and he looked and Lauren would hit me and then she started crying. So dad spanked her. But he was trusting the wrong person in the situation. And so what we have to understand is we have to trust God. Because I wasn't at fault for my sister hitting me and then her crying. That was not on me. I wasn't doing anything but watching TV. But so often, we're like my sister. We blame the other. We blame God because he, He's there. He should, he should have control over our situation. Guys, if you're not trusting Him, He has no control over your life. If you don't trust Him with your life, He has no control over your life. So He's not to blame in that situation. And so then we see David's understanding. So David has pleaded with God. He's pleaded with God. And he's saying, God, look, I'm depressed. You're not answering me. Why aren't you answering me? I hate myself. My enemies are about to prevail against me. Where are you, God? And it's like he just takes a deep breath. He's, got, he, he's vented to God. He he's, he's went to God with all his problems. And it's just like he just stops. He puts the pen down. He takes a deep breath. And he just sighs. Which is crazy to me because typically when I'm in, in this head, in that headspace that David's in, I'm not taking a deep breath until someone tells me, "Hey, Drew, take a deep breath." Typically, we feed off of it and get worse and worse and worse. But David takes a deep breath because notice in verse five and six it says, "But I have trusted in your steadfast love; my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. 
I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountiful with me. So right here, he, he's talking to God. He's saying, God, you're not listening to me. Why aren't you listening to me? I, I hate myself. You're not talking to me. My enemies are prevailing against me. And then he stops and goes, but I trust in your steadfast love. A.K.A. he's like, hey, look, even though you're not answering me, I know you won't forsake me. I know you won't believe me. Guys, that's faith. That is faith. That's true faith. So often, though, what we do is we keep feeding into it, and it gives us a reason to not come to church, to leave the church, to do whatever we want to do, and we say, well, that's because I put my trust in God and He let me down. That's not it, guys. David could have said that because God's not answering him, but yet he knew because he had a firm foundation, he trusted in God and kept it going and said, you know what? I trust in your steadfast love because I know that steadfast love will never leave me nor forsake me. So even though you're not talking to me, I know you're still there and I know you will see me through it. And that's what we have to understand. Turn in your Bibles to uh, 1 Samuel 16, 11 through 13. 1 Samuel 16, 11 through 13. And so the reason David was able to think like this is because he went back to his past. He, he looked back in his life and, and realized what all God had done for him. Because that word where he says dealt, that, that word dealt is in past tense, which means in previous times, which means not in this specific time. And so um, Samuel 16, 11 through 13 reads, Then Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, there, rem- there remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. And Samuel took the horn of the, of the oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And the Lord rose, up, and Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. The Lord was with God in that, I mean, the Lord was with David in that situation. God was with David in that situation. He could have picked any of his other 11 brothers, but yet he chose David. God was with him in that situation. Now turn, flip over a page into 1 Samuel 17, verses 48 through 49. We all know this story. It reads, when, when the Philistine arose and came back and drew near to David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag, took out a stone, slung it, and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face, face to the ground. David, I mean, God was with David. David was facing a giant and killed the giant with a stone. It's that simple. We heard the story all the time, but seriously, it was a, it was a mismatch. Goliath should have easily won that. Yet God was with David, and David was thinking about that during this time. Now turn to 1 Samuel 24, 1 through 7. 1 Samuel 24, 1 through 7. When Saul returned from, the, um, from following the Philistines, he, he was told, Behold, David is in the wilderness of Engedi. 
And Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all Israel and went to seek David and his men in front of the wild goats' rocks. And he came to the sheepfolds, by the way, where there was a cave. And Saul went in to relieve himself. Now David and his men were sitting in the innermost part of the cave. The men of David said to him, Here is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will give you your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it shall seem good to you. And David rose, stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And afterward David's heart struck him because he cut off a corner of Saul's robe. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do, do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to put, on, put out my hand against him, saying he is the Lord's anointed. So David persuaded his men with these words and, they, and did not permit them to attack Saul. Saul rose up and left the cave and went on his way. God was with David in this situation. David was running from Saul. Saul was trying to kill David. And yet, here he is. God delivered Saul to David. He's in a cave, a random cave, hiding out, avoiding Saul. And Saul walks into the exact cave. Outside were 3,000 men looking to kill David. And yet, God delivers Saul and David doesn't do anything because he understands who, who, who um, Saul is and that he was anointed by God. But God was with David in that situation. And so the, the last place, I promise, 2 Samuel 7, 15 through 17. 2 Samuel 7, 15 through 17. Second Samuel seven fifteen through seventeen reads, "But my steadfast love will not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever." In accordance with all these words, and in accordance with all this vision, Nathan spoke to David. God was with David. But notice in verse fifteen the specific words used. But with I mean, but my steadfast love will never depart from him. He's speaking about David. God's talking to Nathan, who is, Nathan is telling David this. My steadfast love will never depart from him. If you go back to, to the, uh, sorry, uh, Psalm 13, in verse 5, it says, but I've trusted your steadfast love. It's the same words. You see, David had, had this thing. He had this relationship with God. He had this foundation on God's Word. He had this foundation on his faith. He, he, he was so strong in his faith because he sought God's face every single day that he remembered when he was in his lowest point that God had been with him every single time that I just spoke about. He remembered all those times that God was with him. And then on top of that, he remembers Nathan speaking the words to him saying, God's steadfast love will never depart from you. And he remembers those words and those, I guarantee those words just keep coming back to him and coming back to him. And so he was able to say to God, who was not answering him, I will trust in your steadfast love. Because he understood it will never leave him. And let, let, I'm just going to put it like this. Jesus hadn't came yet when David was alive. We all know that. And so that means we have something stronger to hold on to. Because we can hold on to the actual love Jesus. You go to John 3.16, for God so loved the world, we can hold on to that love because he sent his only son to die on the cross for us. So when you're in that valley, hold on to Jesus. That's what they're saying. That's what David is doing. He's holding on to his faith. The only thing he had, he's not turning away from it and looking at the looking for a bottle. He's not looking for Dr. Phil. He's not looking for anyone else. He's looking for God. 
And yet we have a more of, a, of, a, of an assurance because we have Jesus. He's came, he's died for us, but yet we say, hey, God put me in here, I'm not trusting him. How stupid can we be? We have more to trust in than, than David did because we have Jesus because he came. But yet so many times though, we say, well, God put me in this predicament. I'm going to go somewhere else. I, I, I didn't go to church. Takes, I just, I'm just in a real big valley. I just need to figure it out. Come on, guys. This is why we have the churches so you can bring your burdens, you can bring your problems, you can bring your depression and give it to God and trust in God. That's what David is doing. He is depressed. He is so depressed. And yet he's saying, I trust in Jesus. And let me say this. He didn't know whether he was going to survive or he was going to die. He had no idea. And yet he is sitting here saying, Jesus, God, you've dealt bountiful with me. And so I'm going to trust in the past where you've been there always and you've told me you would be there always. I'm going to trust in that rather than trusting in what you're saying right now. We're such present-minded people. We only focus on the here and now. We don't focus on the past where Jesus you know, woke you up, where Jesus saw you through that car accident where you could have died, where Jesus saw you through this or that or this or that. Back in uh, September of 2017, some of you might remember this, I was in a like terrible car accident. I, a hydroplane going down a hill, um, hit a guardrail, did three front flips and like four side flips, tore my mom's Honda Pilot up. She wanted a new car, so I made sure she got a new car. Um, <laughs> I always tell her that. She didn't like it. And I, I walked out with just like my ear hanging off. They had to do plastic surgery. This is my real ear. If you talk to my sister, she says it's a fake ear. It's real, I promise, 100%. They had to put some stitches in it. But I promise, it, it's my real ear. This is legit the ear. I can hear. But I was wor really worried they were going to take my ear off. I just have a hole in my head. And then I was worried. I was like, Mal's going to break up with me. I'm going to be alone. And I'm going to look like a weirdo with one ear. But it's okay. I got two ears and I'm married and have two children. So we're okay. <laughs> so we're okay. But I mean, I, I couldn't have survived that. And so when I get in those valleys, I remember, hey, God pulled me through that car accident. You know, my dad had all those health issues three, four, five years. I was in college. I don't know when they were. Three or four or five years ago. But he had all his health problems. God saw him through that. And you might say, well, I've never been in a break. I've never had anything serious like that. Well, you woke up this morning. You have a chance at heaven because without Jesus, we wouldn't have a chance at heaven. We wouldn't have a shot at getting into heaven. So you can say without a, without a doubt, hey, I'm going to heaven because Jesus loved me. So you can trust in that love because you sin against him every single day. And yet he loves us so much. Not because, like I said in 830, because of anything we can do. Because we provide nothing in this relationship. It is a one-way relationship. God loves us so much that He sent His only Son to die on the cross. And that's the promise we can hold on to. And so when you're in those valleys, guys, because I know there's people in this room that are struggling mightily. You are struggling. You're struggling to get up in the morning. You're struggling just to do daily chores. You're struggling to eat. You're struggling to drink. You're struggling to do whatever. And, and you're just fighting the fight of your life right now. Hold on to this promise. Be like David. He had one thing going on in his life, and that was the love of God. And a lot of times, when we get in those valleys, that's all we have to hold on to. Hold on to that with everything you have, because it will see you through any valley there is. Any valley. Be like David here. Have that firm foundation, because that firm foundation can get you through anything. Thanks for listening to the Marian message presented by the Mosaic of Marian podcast. If you would like to know more, you can reach us on our Facebook page or on our website, www.marianbcba.com.